And good evening, good evening, and thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful Tuesday evening, and if it's a Tuesday, you know what that means. It's time for Change Matters Solutions. We do this each and every Tuesday here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It's 7 o'clock here in Big D, Dallas, Tejas. It is 8 o'clock on the East Coast and 5 o'clock on the West Coast. If you're in the mountain time zone, hey... You do the math. We've got another great show lined up for you, so stick and stay and don't go away. And remember, tell a neighbor, tell a friend to join the Change Matters Movement. I'm your host, Kenny Hendricks. And I am your host, Colette Williams. And as Kenny Hendricks always stick and stay, don't go away. It is time for a great show this afternoon. There's a whole lot to talk about. Not only are we talking about the election, but we're also talking about financial literacy. But there are some things that we have got to get out here because you do want to hear about those things. One, I'm sure all of you have heard the rapper in Houston. Another one was shot. What are we doing here? That is absolutely ridiculous. Another rapper was shot. 28 yeah, years old. This is crazy. It this is, is absolutely crazy. It is a career with a low mortality rate. I mean, it just happens every couple of months. We hear about another one being shot and killed. And, you know, we, we really got to start speaking out about this. I, you know, I, I, I've talked about how this has been an issue for quite some time now and we're seeing it again. Every other month there's somebody else getting shot. And the interesting thing is, Generally speaking, these guys getting shot and killed are not the big name rappers. They're, you know, maybe local guys, they're known locally, maybe they put a record or two out, but they're not big name guys. It's these young up and coming guys that are out there getting killed. And it is a shame. And we as a community need to stand up and do something about this. This is, it is only happening in the rap industry. It is not happening anywhere else, anywhere else. And it's our people being Killed our young men being killed by each other. By each other. Yeah. It's not happening in country music. It's not happening in R&B. It's not happening in classical music. It's only happening with those folks who consider themselves rappers, rap artists. That's not even artistry, but they're rappers. It's only happening there. And it has to stop. And I was listening to someone talk about, and I can't remember if you sent that to me or if Leonard sent it to me, but we're talking about Black folks. We're talking about people who really need to find a way to become part of a community. This is not the way that that's done. This is not the way to do that. There was a press conference with the police chief and with the city attorney and with the mayor. All of these people, they want to talk about gun control, safety, but that's, what are we doing? Other folks are doing mass shootings. Black folks are shooting each other. There's something really wrong. And it's and it's not gun control. The people that are doing yeah. this don't, do not have those guns legally. They do not have those guns legally. And the way they're getting those guns, they're going to continue to get those guns. People don't go out and buy a gun legally and have it registered in their name if you're in a state where they register and then go out and do this. These are people who are working outside the law. And they're going to get those guns anyway. They are going to do that, and this is what they're going to do until we as a community – stand up and say, no, we're not taking it anymore. You've, you've got to stop this. I saw an article the other day that had these brothers standing on the platform on the freeway in um, Chicago protecting the platform. Yes, I saw that. 
you know, and we need more of that. But we're standing out there saying we're not putting up with it because nobody else is going to do it. We can't expect somebody else to come into our community and fix this for us. That is our problem. and We've got to fix it. And even if we say, well, the police should be doing something. Yes, they should. But guess what? They're not. The truth of it is they're not. And so we've got to clean it up and we can't wait for them to do it. We can't wait for them to say, okay, we'll come in and help you because our young men are dying every single day. And it's, it is absolutely ridiculous over, over some music, right. over day. some music so, and some made up beef that came from the people that run the music industry that because having a beef sells records, put you in the news, you're having that beef. And this is the result. And we really have got to do something about it. And, and it really, it takes away from everything that the black community community should be about. It takes away everything. We've got to focus on that instead of the things that are necessary for us to change the narrative and which changes the trajectory. So it, it's really, really, we've got an election coming up and folks need to be focused on the election. Those are the things that are going to change what's going on in these communities, not the continued killing each other, this continuous shooting. And it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. I want to move on over to our guests. We've got two young men right here. We've got Carson and Cleo Washington, and they're talking about financial literacy. And they're, they're youngsters, and they're talking about financial literacy. How do we get the others to do exactly what they're doing? How do we get the others to follow in their footsteps? And these are, these are guys in high school. These are young guys in high school. So we've got a lot of work to do. This is a listing. We can find lists about a lot of things. And this is a listing of all of the shootings that have taken place with rappers. This is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's another one that's going to make this list. And these are the ones, only ones that make the news. Right. This is how they make the news. Houston. There he is, the last one, takeoff, November 1st, 2022. They sure hurried up and got that on there. Boy. But let's segue into our guests. We've got Carson and Cleo and Cleo Washington. I think that's Cleo the second, I think. And Maybe. we've got Carson Kennedy Washington. And we've got Cleo the first. Uh, good evening. Good evening, everyone. How are you gentlemen doing? Doing well. How about you? Good, good, good. Welcome aboard. Nice to have you on uh, Intentional Talk Radio. And it's even a better feeling. It's better all the way around that you are young, black boys, soon to be men, and you're dealing with financial literacy. And I like what you say on your poster, 30 years to become a millionaire and maybe sooner. So I love what you're doing. I absolutely love what you're doing. You're following in your dad's footsteps, an attorney. He is someone who has been on the front lines fighting for community, fighting for rights for quite some time. And it's it's really awesome to see that you two are doing the things that you're doing. And I'm going to let Cleo and Carson tell us a little bit about themselves, and then I'm going to introduce your dad. So Cleo, I think you're the oldest, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And you are a junior in high school and your brother Carson 
is a freshman in high school. Yes, ma'am. Good old days. Good old days. So, Cleo, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into financial literacy. Yes, uh, my name is Cleo. I'm Washington II, and I attend Lamp High School here in Montgomery, Alabama. And um, in my free time, I enjoy practicing for debates and also like watching football games. But how I got started with financial literacy was back in 2015 during the 50th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March. We held our first um, ever financial literacy presentation in downtown Montgomery, Alabama. And so that was now seven years later. We continuing to do it since. And we do it every year um, in March to commemorate the anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March. Wow, that's fantastic. So Carson, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, my name is Carson Washington. Um, I am currently a freshman at Lamb High School. Um, I, in my free time, I like to play piano and play piano. And I got into, I mean, I got into financial literacy, um, in 2015, um, during the, during the Selma to Montgomery March. Um, my dad was host, I mean, was hosting a financial um, literacy, um, presentation, and he wanted us to, um, do profit, and I've been interested ever since. Very good. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Well, Daddy Cleo uh, is a former senator, a city councilman, and a deputy public defender, so I am sure that the two of you will follow in your dad's footsteps, and Cleo Sr. is committed to assisting the community, his church, and involved with several national 501c3 nonprofit organizations. And Cleo was married to Dr. Marla Washington and the two boys, and you guys have got a great thing going on right here. So let's jump right in and let's get started. Tell us about financial literacy. Cleo, Daddy, Senior, tell us about financial literacy and what you're doing with your boys and how you're going to pay this forward. Uh, thank you again for uh, allowing us to be on uh, this evening. As both said, back in 2015, the importance of starting a financial literacy series during the 50-year anniversary was for us to kind of pose the question 50 years after the Voting Rights Act, what is next? What is the most important thing, particularly for the African-American community to do to continue to make progress? And uh, Judge uh, Andre Gamage and I had, uh, during the convention in Denver in 2008, when President Obama had the convention, we had a series of workshops to encourage more people to start nonprofits. And one of the folks uh, that came uh, to that was uh, Dr. Bariba Harris. She, and she may be on, I'm not sure. Uh, but she was the actual founder of the Institute for Emerging Leaders, Judge Gannage became uh, the founding chairman. And what we did was come up with an idea of what are the different ways that we can discuss issues of importance and uh, issues to help encourage young people. And we figured that financial literacy, from our perspective, was the single most important thing because we as a people are behind when you begin to look at wealth disparity. We've largely closed the education gap, but not the wealth disparity gap. And again, I can go into more detail or the voice can go into detail. 
Well, I'd like for you to go into more detail. And no, the the education gap has not been closed at all. In fact, it's widening. I'm in education, and it is widening. And there are those that would dispute that. I see it every day. And not only do I see it in California, but across the country. And California is the last place to get on board. But the, the education gap is widening across the country. So let's, let's continue to talk about the financial literacy and the gap. We have a program on uh, ITRN, on this network, Legacy, Closing the Gap with Legacy. Legacy is a mortgage company, and they're doing everything possible to close the gap. And it's going to be a long haul. It's really going to be a long haul. Where do you think we need to begin with this, Cleo? Yes, uh, um, going back to the issue, um, while we have made some improvements in the education gap, for example, in 1970, only 5% of African Americans had a college education compared to 12% of white Americans. But today, the difference in um, 25% of African Americans have a college education compared to 33% of white Americans. We obviously still have some room to gain, but at least we can say we made significant progress in that. But as far as our average net worth, in 1970, the net worth for African-American families was $6,700 compared to $67,000 for the average white family, meaning it's a 10 to 1 ratio of white family net worth to black family net worth. And today, even with the improvements in education, the average black family net worth is $140,000 compared to $980,000 for the average white family. So it's still a 7 to 1 ratio. So even though we made some improvements in education, we still have a lot of improvements to make as far as um, net worth. We do have a Excellent. Uh, Cleo Senior, you brought up something that uh, I, I always uh, think about is you said, what is next? And one of the things that I find that we do in our community a lot of times is we have an issue like the George Floyd issue or the Trayvon Martin issue, and we march and we go out there and march, and sometimes you riot and we do all these things, but there's never a what's next because if it's over, everybody's goes home. We don't have a plan for what's next. So how do you see from a financial standpoint from our, for our community, what is next? How do we make this a plan for our entire community? Yeah. We, we have, and, and either Cleo or you all can join in. We kind of have what, what we call the simple five step process, uh, to teach people what's next. The first is recognizing that there is this wide wealth disparity. And then once you recognize that disparity exists, recognize it's not because of a lack of intelligence by African-Americans. It is because a lack of exposure and exposure to how wealth is built. Take the next part of it on a challenge. Hey, um, well, we realized that the solution um, is to um, expose people to um, the magic of compound interest in and investing in general, how you can use that to gain wealth and the certain fourth steps are to develop a um, wealth creation plan and a wealth preservation strategy. It's good to dive, I mean, to invest in a diversified group of, um, group of stocks and also some fixed income such as uh, treasury bonds. Um, once you um, reach a certain threshold, um, you should give back to the community. So another question for you, Carson, and Kenny Hendricks asked Cleo Sr., your dad, 
what's next? Where do you think young people can begin? Okay. Um, I feel, well, um, I feel that it's never too young to, um, start learning about, um, financial, um, literacy. Um, my dad started, um, um, he started having me, um, do presentations in 2015 when I was, um, when I was six. Interesting. Um, so, uh, Carson, you're a freshman, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, Cleo, the second, did you say you're a senior? I'm a junior. Junior, okay. What are they doing in the school? I mean, your father's doing, doing an excellent job, and you're right, uh, Carson. It's never too young to start teaching people about these things. So I know in a lot of schools, a lot of schools have, like, when I was in school 100 years ago, they had things like trade programs and things like that. They don't have those anymore. Are the schools that, are the schools that you guys go to, are they doing anything with the young people with regard to finances and, and helping you learn that? Well, that's um, part of the issue. Um, there are some states in America that um, require a financial literacy course to be taken before high school graduation. Or some high schools, for example, they might offer like a macroeconomics course or a um, like survival skills course that teach people basic things like budgeting. We still want, particularly minority communities, African Americans in particular, to have in-depth financial knowledge. They can use this once they grow up, become adults, and contribute to it. What do you all recommend people do learn? So um, instead, if the um, the financial information is lacking in the schools, we recommend that everyone spend 30 minutes a day consuming financial knowledge. So now that you can consume this financial knowledge either by on your TV, watching channels such as CNBC or Cheddar or Bloomberg or Fox Business or reading online such as Forbes or CNN Business, even paying for subscription services like the Wall Street Journal, in order to enhance your financial knowledge so you can make better decisions once you're coming from. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, no. And speaking of the Wall Street Journal, are you, uh, gentlemen, familiar with the article uh, from Wall Street Journal just a few years ago that said that uh, if we continue on the trajectory that we're on, that the average uh, wealth in the black community will be zero by the year, uh, 2053, if you guys are familiar with that and any comments on that. Yeah, they're, they're familiar with, they just don't remember it. Yes, and that's why we think it's critical as a baseline for people to begin incorporating the term financial literacy. And that's why we have in, in their everyday vocabulary. That's why, uh, Cleo and Carson, uh, they spent the summer uh, with me, we had an eight-state tour where we went to 13 different cities to speak about financial literacy. And we think it has to be kind of one city at a time, one state at a time, talk to as many people as possible to begin getting in, in our everyday vocabulary. And it hasn't been. And that's why, again, it's critical once they begin learning the funnels of compound interest and the fact that if you invest the right way in a diversified uh, portfolio, uh, you will begin understanding how wealth grows. So one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot is what Carson mentioned, the wealth creation plan. We call it the date all 11. But marry none. But marry none. Because if people learn that concept, that is the key, we believe, to understanding compound interest and then once you begin to build wealth to understanding wealth preservation. So do one of you all want to explain what that means in detail, data 11, Mary, now? 
Yes, uh, Amar. Um, well, there are um, eleven sectors in the S and P five hundred which we use in our daily lives. So we recommend to invest in all eleven sectors and not um to um over. I mean, not to um over invest in anyone because of a possible um crash. Give an example of what are the eleven sectors. Um, example of sector would be, um, consumer staples. That would be, um, companies like Procter and Gamble. Give, give more examples. Another example would be, uh, um, it would be communications, uh, which would be like AT&T. Um, another example would be, uh, financials, um, as in JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, whatever bank you use. And so you're talking about industries that everybody has to use that, that, that are going to be around venerable institutions that have been around and they're going to be around investing those things, not to fly by night stuff. That's kind of where you're going with that, Carson. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and why is it important, uh, to invest in those type of companies? One of you. They're, they, they're normally more talkative. That's why. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And I guess their first time on radio. No. No problem. No problem. They're, they're, excuse me. They're doing an amazing job, and they I'm are. really proud proud of you. Um, you two gentlemen are the future, and mm-hmm. you should be glad that you have a father, and he sees the future. Um, you two, I just can't get over your professional attire. Um, that's much needed, and you do have confidence. And we're to help you. We're here to help you get through that. So you're doing fine, even if you amazing. stutter. You Amazing. two are doing great. And and thank you, Pops. Appreciate you. Yes. And the fact that you're here and you are showing up and you're talking about something beyond rap, that is simply amazing in and of itself. You've already got most of it beat. So you're doing an amazing job. And I do want to ask a question. And maybe uh, each of you can answer this question. And I'm, But I am going to start with uh, Cleo Sr. And I hear what you're saying. And I think you're absolutely right, and I'm so glad. And if you have information that we can share with our listening audience, that would be great because financial literacy is the only way to get out of this and and to change the narrative that we currently find ourselves in as the Black community. But my big question, how do we get folks who don't know the first thing about compound interest, they don't know the first thing about saving, in fact, they walk their check down to the Kona liquor store, and that's where they cash it. They don't know anything about saving, literacy, putting money aside, building wealth. They don't know anything about that. How do you change the narrative or change their mind or get them to understand that what they're doing, where they find themselves, is not where they have to stay? Maybe this is where they are at the moment, but how do you get them out of that? Because financial literacy has to go way back to people who are in a generation, the next generation that has received a county check, government money for one reason or another, not that there's anything wrong with it, but who are of the mindset that they cannot do any better. Where do you begin with them and where do you begin with that? And how do we begin to change that narrative? Because that is a dangerous path. 
it, it's, it's, it's not an easy answer, but this is one, again, I, I'm a former uh, state senator also, so all these states, it's difficult to do it at the federal level, but if more state legislators uh, are uh, focused on this being as important, we talk about during our series that education is the gateway to opportunity, yes, it but is. compound interest and learning to invest is the gateway to wealth. And unless you create wealth, you don't have the ability to do all the charity and philanthropic work that we want to do. So one is through what can you do through legislation? Cleo George mentioned earlier that some states require financial literacy. I think I saw Representative Pryor's on there. Indiana is, or is one of the participants. Indiana is one of those states. That needs to be a critical priority because at a minimal, at a minimum, then you'll have that basic discussion. I also think the nonprofit institutions that understand the problem, they need to attack it more. And again, I can't see who all the participants, but the Institute for Emerging Leaders, for example, the Sisterhood of Survival, there are a lot of nonprofits that can take it on, but it's something we need to feel that this is as critical as we did 50 years ago or 55 years ago, saying how critical voting rights were. When we agreed to march, uh, those that marched across from Selma here to Montgomery to demand the right to vote. And unless we begin to look at it as that critically important to our overall knowledge of how stock markets work, how capital markets work, how diversified portfolio, and how most wealth is created in America. There are 22 million Americans now, and probably 80% of them are millionaires as a result of investing in the stock market. Again, Cleo and Carson, they can tell you the history of the Dow, the history of the S&P 500, the history of the NASDAQ, and basically in a real nutshell, if you have an average portfolio where you invest in the things that you, in those 11 sectors, if you invest in all those, you will on average get a return of 7%, which is great. And then with dividends, you may get more. So, um, and again, I could talk about, give a, a 30 minute answer on that, but I'll give the short version. And again, and we're, we obviously are glad to answer any questions any of your participants may have to. Okay. Um, I, I've got a question. Uh, first of all, I want to say, and Colette mentioned something, um, about the thing about the hard part and which, and then out rap and everything. First of all, I want to say teaching them, teaching the young men about financial literacy at this young age, that's, that's the hard part. The rest of, if we can get our community to understand these types of things, the rest can come easy. Sure. But we've got, we've got to get this basic fundamental foundational mindset across because the the rest of the things we have to do, once you have that mindset, they can easily be done. Without the question I want to have is, is you, know, you talk to people about investing and a lot of people in our community don't have that little bit of extra income to invest. So what sort of uh, advice do you give to people who may not have that expendable income? You know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. How do people like that invest in things like the stock market when it's completely foreign to them? So how how do they do that? You know, that's that's a great question, and I'll let Cleveland Carson tell about the history of the market in a second. But but what we say to people is, you're, no matter where you go to church in America, if you're Catholic, 
if you're Baptist, if you're Methodist, if you're Church of Christ, if you're Church of God in Christ, if you know name church, wherever you go to church in America, you are taught that the priority should be 10% in tithes and offering. And there's a scriptural basis for that. Uh, what we emphasize is 10% to yourself. So in other words, someone that makes $20,000 a year, $20,000 a year and live in poverty in America, if they do 10%, that's $2,000 a year. That's $167.66 a month. If they do that continuously for 30 years, they will no longer be in poverty because that will grow to $250,000 just in a diversified portfolio. So no matter how poor you are, you still should give your tithes and offerings if you go to church. That's what you're told, and you should, and people do. But no matter how poor you are, you, you should still invest in yourself because investing in yourself, whatever age, is really investing in the next generation. And how do we get to that point of creating true intergenerational wealth? And that is key. And there's a tax efficiency strategy to it also. The more you give under our tax code, the more you get back. It's called the itemized deduction. So Cleo Carson mentioned briefly the history of stock market. Okay, um, well, um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it was created in 1896 with 12 companies that later expanded to zero. In 1957, um, S&P 500 was created in 1971, and NASDAQ was created. Okay. Anything else to add on? Thank you for that information. So... Maybe the three of you can answer this question for me. As Kenny Hendricks was was asking, how do we change? How do we change the mindset? These young gentlemen are in high school and they already have a great foundation. So I have no doubt in my mind where they are going to go. The overarching, however, is that their peers, no matter where they are in this country, there are millions of their peers who don't have the same kind of foundation that you have. What do you say to your peers who don't have the foundation that you have? Where can they go? Where can, what can they do to, to change their mindset so that they understand all of this and they understand how important it is? Some of them are living in families who don't bring in $1,000 a month. That's below the poverty wage. So how do you tell them, take 10% of what you don't have and put it away? What do you say to them? What do you say to your friends at school when they get $50 and they, they blow it? What do you say to that? Yes, well, again, to um, reiterate what I said earlier, if everyone could just spend 30 minutes a day consuming financial information through any of the various platforms, whether online or through the television, then they will um, better be able to um, prepare for the future in this global economy in 30 minutes a day, consuming financial information and learning about the benefits of compound interest and investing in the stock market. And that will help. So is that what you say to your friends at school? Yes, <laughs> you do. And so how many of them say, oh, man, yeah. Or do they follow what you say? Some people are hesitant at first, and then once they try it, then they realize how beneficial it is for their life. Okay, okay, and you're a junior. And what about you, Carson? You are you are a freshman, which means you're in ninth grade. How yes. many times do you tell your friends about this, and how often do they follow you? Um, well, um, I do not know how many of um, 
my friends follow my suggestions, but I try to tell them to um be more um interested with I mean in um finance and the uh, capital markets. Okay. So is it is it easy for you to talk to them about financial literacy? Or is it something that you have to get your mind on and you do it then? Or is it something that you just talk about all the time? Um well um it is um some I wanna say I would say somewhat easy for me. Okay. Okay. And you talk to them about this all the time. Yes. Good. I'm going to hire you to talk to some kids I know at school. Very good. <laughs> I'll tell I have another question. Um, are you young men familiar with uh, 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 Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway? Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, that's all I want to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That says it right there. I, I, I just did a quick check on 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 his uh, the, his shares today, and it's at four hundred and forty three thousand dollars and four cents a share today. And I recall back in the eighties when I was with uh, Wells Fargo Bank, um, I was with Wells Fargo Bank through the eighties, and uh, Warren Buffett would uh, invest. He'd buy you know a whole bunch of Wells Fargo stock, and every time he did, you know our shares just skyrocketed. And back then. Back then, in, right in around 84, 85, 86, those shares were $8,000 a share. And now they're $443,000 a share. Wow. And I, I, I think it, the, the lesson there is that it's out there. It's out there if, if you do the right things. Right, right. And are you all at, are you in cryptocurrency? Can you tell us anything about cryptocurrency or Bitcoin? Awesome. Um, well, um, I feel with that, um, in order for cryptocurrency to, um, become viable in the future is that, um, I mean, that must have a stable value, preferably like through like, um, a central, through, um, a central, um, the central bank, like making their own, um, um, digital currency. And the central bank earlier this year of America announced that they're potentially coming out with a coin within the next few years. There'll be a centralized currency so it can bring some stability to the crypto market. Right. Oh, Central Bank is coming out with a, their own cryptocurrency? Yes. With a coin? Yeah, they're still doing a study, but, but what they advise anyone when they bring up cryptocurrency is they believe that there is not a sufficient regulatory framework a regulatory apparatus around it to make certain that the average retail investor is protected. And therefore, they wouldn't dare recommend anyone invest in cryptocurrency. And that's why they recommend what they know is safe based upon the history of uh, diversified investing in mutual funds and ETFs. And, and, you know, a, a lot of young people think that's that's the attraction to cryptocurrency, that there yeah. is nothing centralized and th- no one can control it. And so they believe that you can get out there. Now, if you've watched Bitcoin, Bitcoin topped out at 60,000 and some change. I can't remember what it is. And last I checked, it was down to, I think, about, it was 20 something. I'll, I'll check on it here. But if you if you got in at the right p- time, you could have made out. But if you didn't. You know, you might be hurting and hating life right now. So it is, it's at 20,400 right now. Right. So it is, it is a, it's a crapshoot. And, uh, I went ahead and got some, not Bitcoin, but I got some, uh, Shiba Inu, but I bought it for less than a penny, a coin. And I'm sitting on a whole bunch of it and I'm just, it was enough money that I could, if I lose it, it's not going to hurt me. And that's one of the things that I've learned about investing. Invest what you can afford to lose. 
So it's not hurting me. I don't have to worry about paying my rent, paying my mortgage, paying my car note or anything like that with the money that I did that. So that, that's an interesting point. Go ahead, Dr. Uh, um, one more comment. You, know, you said about invest um, what you can lose. We also, um, our main quote that we'd like to use throughout these presentations is a quote from Warren Buffett, who you mentioned earlier, um, owner of Berkshire Halfway. And he says to get rich slowly. So that's the ultimate goal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, everybody thinks wants to get rich quick in the overnight, right? Exactly. No, that's good advice. Yeah, and and uh, Warren Buffett still drives his 1974 Buick. So, and he and he still buys a burger for a dollar, and he did not help his granddaughter not one bit. He did not give her any money for her home or her renovation, and he made her go through USC on her own. So he's got a philosophy about money that is really incredible and folks should take that as a lesson but i do know some people who have done extremely well in cryptocurrency bitcoin one of the women here in california who is dubbed as the bitcoin queen she's done extremely well and she travels the country promoting cryptocurrency bitcoin and she's done very well. So it's hard to determine who is doing what, when, where, and how. And I just read something about Kramer, who made some, who gave some advice. And today on the air, he had a breakdown because his advice was wrong. It was wrong. He was given wrong information and he gave out wrong information. And he apologized to the viewers because it did hurt some people. But I think we all have to be concerned and we all have to be careful about what we do as we move forward in this space. It's Some people will say it's a guarantee, but nothing is a guarantee. Nothing is a guarantee. Uh, what's his name thought he was going to be a billionaire forever. And now he's lost a lot of money. <laughs> Kanye, West. Like Kanye. Kanye West. Yeah. yeah. So, I do have another question. Go ahead, Ken. And well, I was going to say, um, uh, uh, Cleo or uh, uh, Carson, talk to us about, you know, you mentioned di diversifying. Talk to the folks, to the listeners about diversifying. What does that mean? Um, by diverse um, investments, we mean to, I mean, we are talking about investing in a income. I mean, in companies that are in different sectors and in different industries. Oh. So basically, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. And one way to do this is um, through mutual funds, so you can get, or index funds. So basically, you can get um, um, like a accumulation of different companies across the eleven sectors of the S P five hundred. So if you have this diversified portfolio, if one stock's doing really well, that's great. But you won't be hurt when that stock um, then depreciates in value. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't heard either of you talk about property. Creating generational wealth through real estate. Can you talk to us about real estate? And does that fit into the framework of your financial literacy profile? Can you yes. talk to us about real estate? Sure. So um, real estate is one of the 11 sectors at S&P 500. And the great thing about real estate is, for example, when you purchase a house, that's considered an appreciating asset. So when you purchase a house, you can refinance this one day down the line when you're ready to move on to another house. Or you can use real estate as a primary means to build wealth because it's an appreciating asset. Um, so that's why real estate is very important. 
Outstanding. I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds here. Um, uh, selling short, you have stocks and selling short. Are you young men familiar with how you make money? There are people that make money when stocks go down. You can, it doesn't always have to be when stocks go up. Are you young men familiar with that? And can you speak to that? Yes. Well, they, they can speak to it, but they, they should not. I told them I have a, a couple of things I'm not going to allow them to speak on. One is any kind of effectively derivative trading because I don't want anyone to misinterpret anything uh, we say about selling short or about options or calls or puts. And the reason, uh, Kenny, is uh, we think it's important that our message is consistent on doing the things that we know is safe, what Carson said. The Dow's been around for 18 to, since 1896. The uh, NASDAQ since 1971 and the S&P 500 since 1957. So that's why we won't give anything, any advice that's reasonably risky. And so what uh, Colette said about Bitcoin, yes, but no, we want the average investor to be protected in the sense that they're not taking a gamble. If they put money in the market and have a diversified portfolio, on average, they will have a return. This is one of the rare years where the market's down 20, 20, 2% and actually it's only been down twice in the last 12 years where it's been averaging over 10 to 12% from 2010 through 2020. And a lot of that, of course, is the result of central uh, bank policy. But that's where we, that's where I'm kind of drawing the line uh, for them because they don't have, neither do I, a, a, a license six to sell insurance, a license seven to actually uh, sell stock. So what we give advice is under kind of the general umbrella of financial literacy or the umbrella as a lawyer that does financial planning. And if someone wants to get into the weeds, we recommend they go and see, uh, open a brokerage account and talk to someone with, as a certified financial planner. They know about it, but I don't want, you know, them to yeah, get yeah, no, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and it makes a, a lot of sense because you want people to be safe. And, and and I think the message here is stay safe and you can be safe in the market you, you, without, unless you try to get rich quick. You know, if somebody comes at you with, with doing some of the other things we talked about, you know, that is, that's good information. Uh, how about 401ks? You know, people have, uh, people with jobs have 401ks and they put their money in their 401ks. Uh, can you guys speak to that and how much should people be putting in there? And then we have a question after this from one of the guests, from one of the uh, David, guests. David Haley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, 401Ks, that's one of the retirement plans um, that you can receive. That's what you receive if you work at a private company. There are other types of retirement plans, such as 403B. That's if you work in a governmental office. The thing about investing in the 401K, um, similar to what we said earlier, you gain wealth through compound interest. So even if, um, for example, if you're like that said, if you're the poor person who only makes $20,000 a year, if you invest 10% of this, that's $2,000 a year. And if you keep sitting over a 30 year period, then you'll have 200,000. Or if you take another person, for example, um, you just continue to use compound interest rate. So it depends. You just invest 10% of your income every year. That's just. All right. Let's go. Let's go to David. David Haley, you've got a question. Yes. Um, and. First, let me commend, uh, you know, the international uh, talk radio, this network for really bringing such insightful and, and provocative guests in this discussion here. This doesn't happen enough. 
I mean, I've been involved for a long time, so I appreciate the hosts that are doing this and certainly um, the trio of Washingtons and the insight that they are. Um, and and uh, the the um, the compounding of interest and the gathering of resources. I started out pretty meager. I live in Kansas City. I'm in Kansas, and financial literacy is indeed key. I did mine. What I did back in the day was save my uh, uh, 10% of what I was making actually, and then what I would do is go out and buy the housing market. I put it in real estate, bit by bit, build an old house in the inner city one at a time. My question, though, is what today there's so many other opportunities or so many areas we can rely on. And could um, one of the panelists, one of the Washington share, um, it's, sometimes it's hard to put that away. You can't step away from, you know, the the, the pitfalls like a, a Starbucks or spending that extra money here and there. buying. I'm not saying anything against Starbucks. But are there any engines that you know of or recommend? I remember one was called Acorn. Uh, there was one called Robin Hood, I think, uh, that helped you to round up or to put whatever you're able to keep off your uh, dresser drawer or to save from your uh, seat cushions where you can put it away so you can't get to it until you want to make that purchase. If it's for a particular equity or stock or um, or in my case, it would have been you know, an old house that needed some uh, some help. Is there some area to put away that money other than passbook savings? So you can compound your savings to the point where you can invest it that they would recommend. Uh, Senator Haley, what, what we recommend, and I think one of the hosts brought up the 401k and Cleo explained some of it, whatever work you do, again, if private sector 401k, nonprofit 403b, if you're a state or local employee of 457b, if you work for the federal government, a TSP, and if you're self-employed, the SEP plan, all of them allow the same thing, which is pre-tax deferral. And again, from our perspective, that's the, the safest, best, and, and I don't want to say most guaranteed, but it's the safest, best way to invest for the long range because you begin seeing the compound interest come in any year where it's not a negative return. By the end of the year, you can see it and you can begin to calculate it. Uh, Robin Hood is one of the many brokerage firms, of course, that's available now for anyone to use where there's easy access. So we would, and I'm not sure if Cleo Carr said it earlier, we would recommend everyone as part of the education process, open your own brokerage account. And, and either uh, Kenny or Colette had asked the question about, well, what if someone's poor and they don't have barely money to survive? If they're watching TV, They've heard about the brokerage firms and see all the Swab commercials, Ameritrade, JP Morgan, uh, Fidelity, IBKR. There's several brokerage firms. And now today, and I'm not sure if there are any CFPs, uh, uh, listening, but if they are, they can correct me, but there are several today that you can start with zero dollars. And the reason is they want you to join because you will, you will eventually get from having zero to invest to a hundred to five hundred to a thousand. So that's uh, our recommendation. And I think, uh, the gentleman also brought up something about people not having the, uh, extra income. And, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to Dave Ramsey. Yes. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, I find interesting about him is that he will talk to people and someone calling, you know, my husband and I, you know, we make, you know, $100,000 a year, you know, we've got two cars and a house payment 
and we can't make ends meet. And, and he'll ask him, how many cars do you have? He'll say, they'll say two. He'll say, sell one of the cars. He says, do you have cable TV? Well, of course we have cable. Get rid of cable TV. You know, and then he just goes down the line and he's, and you, you do start finding superfluous things that luxuries that if you're really in a financial bind, you could get rid of. And so you talk about the person making $20,000 a year, that, that, that $167 a month, that 10, where that 10% for the year, you know, they can do it. There's something you can find somewhere if you want to. And I like the, the term you used, it was invest in yourself. Take that 10% and invest in yourself. So this is phenomenal information because you can find it somewhere. Don't go to Starbucks, make your coffee at home. You know, don't go to McDonald's, you know, all these things that we do extra, there are ways to do that. So again, this is, we are getting some great comments about everything that you guys are talking about. The fact that these young men are, are so well-versed and well-spoken and we really applaud you for every, every, everything you're doing. And uh, uh, Cleo Washington senior uh, kudos to you for, for putting the young men on the straight and narrow. And we really appreciate that. Absolutely. And it's not really narrow. Oh, we have- it really isn't. And someone here in the chat also said, what do you do when someone just doesn't have an extra $5 a month? And we are living in some real serious times, perilous times. So having an extra $5 a month, it, it just doesn't happen to all people. It just, it just doesn't happen. And there's no fault of their own. They're doing what they need to do to survive. And surviving is not thriving. So how can we get people to understand, one, as I asked in the beginning, we've got to change the mindset. And you all, the two of you, Cleo and Carson, you've had a great beginning, a great foundation to build from. And everyone in this chat has commented on the two of you and how awesome this is. You're making strides. How do we get other people to do the same thing, to make the strides that you have, because I I have no doubt where you're going to go. I have no doubt. After you get that, answer that, we've got hands up. So please, Carson and Cleo, can you speak to that for a minute? And then we're gonna go to the two hands that are up. Yeah, sure. So I'm against reiterate, um, the problem he is that the younger you start, the better. So if they have these messages at a very young age, they grow up knowing that it's key to invest 10% a month. Even if it seems they don't have it, they could still make it because ultimately 30 years down the road, this will impact their lives. If they just um, invest or start finding out investment at a young age and again, committing those 30 minutes a day, that will help them in the future. Okay. At Crenshaw High School, there's a bank. At Crenshaw High School in Los Angeles. Do you all know of any banks at high schools in your area? Mm, I'm not aware. Okay. There's a bank at Crenshaw High School. It was pulling teeth, nails, and hairs out of a wild bull to get students to start using the bank. It did not happen. And I'm not sure that the bank is there today. If it isn't there today, it's because the students did not, the students and their parents did not utilize the bank. And again, we've got to change the mindset. So I hear what you're saying. And I do absolutely agree. And the rest of us, on this program. We do agree with you and we applaud you. We've got to get your message out. I'm going to go to Patricia Warren and then Leonard Collins. Patricia. Hi, everybody. Um, I am I am just 
excited about this conversation. And I would be remiss if I didn't also um, explain that the Washingtons are my cousin. They are my family. Um, and I am also um, a professor at Florida State. And one of the things that I want to say about kind of it is a mindset. It is a mindset shift. It requires people to think differently about money, about how we spend money, how you get access to money, right? And so having banks in high schools, but imagine having banks in elementary schools, elementary. having banks in, in middle schools, having yes. banks in high school. So you don't have them at 14 or 15 where they've been taught to consume because that's what capitalism does. Yes. It teaches us how to consume but not really how to save. And I'll say this, like Cleo and I both, neither one of us grew up in households where our parents taught us how to invest. But once Cleo learned, then I started doing it because he, along with his two sons, we have these conversations about where to put money, thinking about compound interest. And there's small things you can do. You can open up an Ameritrade account. And Cleo is right. I don't even think Ameritrade requires you to put anything down. They allow you to add money over time to that account. And once you get money in, then you can start pulling and start investing. Sorry about that. Start investing into these various markets. And so I just think this is a great conversation. But if we want to change the wealth gap in the United States, we are going to have to start with children very young. Absolutely. 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 And elementary school, it's not too soon. It is not right. too soon, and it must begin in elementary school. Other ethnicities begin in the womb, and we wait until folks are 50, 60, 70 years old, and then we want to make a mindset shift. we got to start when they're in elementary school. Let's go to Leonard Collins. Let, let, let me men mention this just very briefly. Okay. When uh, Cleo was six and Carson was four, my wife and then I started rotating taking them to the bank. And what we did at the bank was to condition them. So they would have to stand in line themselves and give their whatever it was, 5 or $20, and give the receipt. And the reason that will be a permanent indelible memory yes. for me was yes, I, I remember once we, we were, they were in line because I was videoing. And again, Cleo was six, Carson was four, and Cleo got his receipt and, and, and uh, stood back. And the teller gave Carson a sucker. And Carson reached for the sucker before he reached for the receipt. And Cleo at six understood it. And he grabbed Carson and said, no, Carson, no, Carson, get the receipt. The sucker will be there. <laughs> That's what I'll, I'll always uh, re remember. And so, no, it isn't any, any age is uh, the, the younger you start, the better. Yeah. And you to introduce them to the basic terminology. Absolutely. So it's going to take a village. It's going to take some legislation by state legislators. It'll take efforts by all these nonprofit 501c3 groups. And at some point, the church will have to assume some of that responsibility. But that will be the biggest challenge because everyone's conditioned to be <clears throat> called the important the tithes and offerings. And it is. And, and this, this last thing is the most important part of the scriptures to me. If you ask me one parable, it is when the master, when the king left and he left his servants, five and four or five and three and, and, and one talent. And when he came back, and most of us don't think about this, what he said when he took the one from the one, he said, because you didn't do what? You didn't invest it. And you should have invested it and made that one into two, right? But but we don't we don't think about that. And that's the same way with our own 
personal money. That's the conditioning. But again, it's going to take a big picture. And perhaps the next time we're on, we can get into that in more detail. But we'll take the next question. Absolutely. Leonard Collins. Yes. Um, so the, yeah, the young gentleman before, when I finish, I want you to give me the answer. So 30 years from now, I want you to tell me how old you're going to be after I finish my statement. So Kenny brought up a very interesting study. Um, by 2053, African Americans as a whole will not have a bank account or be zero in terms of money. So in that, it is time for us culturally, when I say doubling up, <clears throat> I mean families starting to move into one house to be able to save. Many years ago, and I'm sure the young brothers don't know this, but people teased the Mexicans when they came here because they cracked on them. There was 10 in a house, so on and so forth. But let me tell you how they handled things. Back then, the rent was $300. 10 of them lived in one house, and they had two jobs because all they did was go to home and shower and then go to work. So if the rent's $300, and I know you already know this, and it's 10 of them, all they had to do was come out $30 out of their pocket. And now you see where they are as a culture in terms of what they did in 30 years. And this movement started in 1977. But my feeling is, is culturally, um, when you're going and doing the teachings, uh, senior, we may have to scare our people into understanding um, if you're not able to save now, you will be homeless in 30 years. Um, and if I don't mind asking, how old are you, senior? Senior. Oh, senior. Yeah. Senior. Oh, uh, I'm 60. Okay, good. Uh, now, gentlemen. Oh, wow, man. You look good for 60, bro. Right. So, gentlemen. not old. Gen right. It's really not because I'm 70. But, I'm gentlemen. 70. It's not old. Gentlemen, how old will you be in 30 years from now? I will be 46 years old in 30 years. 44. You're still younger than your dad is now. <laughs> okay? So I, I, say, I say that to say, if we don't come together as a culture, um, we're going to be in a real, real big, 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 big problem. But either way, continue your journey. Um, question for you, Senior. Have you talked to or thought about joining forces with Claude Anderson or Dr. Boyce Watkins by any chance? Because what uh, you're doing is really great. Yeah, no, sir. And the reason I, I work a full-time job uh, for one of the biggest corporations in America, and so we do this on the side. So we only do interviews, for example, after five. I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I work for AT&T, and I'm very fortunate to work for a company that gives me extraordinary flexibility to do a lot of community service. This is part of my community service. Again, it has been for the last uh, eight years. But but my day-to-day -day job, I'm busy with that. So we do this in the evenings, on the weekends, and during the summer. And I'd like to let everybody let everybody know that this, uh, if you want a recording of this show, it will be available uh, as uh, as a podcast on all the major podcast platforms: Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, all over the place. Uh, just go and search on Intentional Talk Radio Network, and you will find it, all the major podcast platforms. That'll be out there by Thursday.
Uh, Kiki, if that's, uh, if it's going to be later, just let me know, but it should be out there by Thursday. You can find this, get it, send it to all your folks. Let everyone hear this is incredible information and I'll let Colette take us home. Friday then. And I have to repeat all that I've seen in the chat and everything has said, awesome, 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 awesome. So Cleo, the second and Carson, you guys can retire tonight, go to bed, know that you did an outstanding job. It could not have been any better. I could not have paid money for anyone to do it better. We have grown folks who couldn't do it as well as you. So I am so happy that you're here with us and that you brought this information. It's been outstanding. And let me give both of you just, let me give you 15 seconds to put your last bit in there. Go ahead, Cleo. Go ahead, Carson. Cleo, you first. Well, thank you for having us tonight. And again, the importance of investing um, throughout your entirety of your life and this is a compound interest. So one day you'll become a servant millionaire who gives 10% back to the community and one to ensure that African Americans are paid to Thank you. Carson? Thank you again for allowing us to be here. I just want to read Israel again. That's important to invest, especially at a young age. Um, so you can and spread the wealth not only to community, but also um, to ensure the security of your um, children, grandchildren, future generations. All right. Thank you so much. And Cleo. Hello. You get to. Hello. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hi. This is Connie Johnson in Oklahoma. I'm on a a dial-in line, and I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. I know you're getting ready to close out, but yeah, we're, we're close out of time. Out, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are out of time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. just remember, we will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the first black female mayor in Oklahoma on April 3rd, 2023. Okay. okay great. Thank, thank you. you so much. Mayor, Mayor Lily Foley Davis, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Cleo Sr., you get to say goodbye. Uh, thank, thank uh, you all for giving us the opportunity to come on tonight and to be a small part of the opportunity. Of, uh, the the folks that want to spread the word on the importance of investing and learning, particularly diversified investing. And as we said, a five-step process, identify the disparity, then how do you get to the problem? And that is teaching people compound interest, investing, and then create a wealth creation plan, create a wealth preservation uh, strategy, and ultimately then desire, once you become a millionaire, to give back to the community. And we hope hope it's at least 10%. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you so very, very much. It's been an awesome time right here with you all. We greatly appreciate it. And everyone on the board appreciates it. You guys are fabulous. So thank you for joining us. And you have been listening to Intentional Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Be sure to join us tomorrow for In The Mix Conversations with Colette and Corliss. And folks, don't forget, join us on Saturday. This coming Saturday, we have the telethon, the WIN telethon, the humanitarian educational telethon that will support the South Sudan. Be with us on Saturday, 3 till 7, right here at itrnradio.com. Have a good evening, everyone. Be safe going home. Anybody need help getting to your cars? Take care. Talk to you soon. Don't forget, wear your masks. Good night. Good night. Good night.